0: Hi friends and welcome to the Idea of Us podcast, a podcast that highlights good by interviewing great minds and learning from best practices. We discuss the big questions here. What and who is us? What is good and how much good is good? Also, what does it mean if we truly care for each other? In this episode, I have the honor to speak with Mahmoud Kadir about the real meaning of happiness. I saw Mahmoud's TED Talk and was so inspired and touched by it. He spoke about toxic positivity and the struggle that comes with it, and it resonated with me deeply. I will, of course, provide the resources in the show notes. From the moment that I heard him speak, I knew that that I needed to reach out to him to see if I could interview him for the idea of us, and luckily he said yes. Mahmoud is a proud Egyptian and Muslim social entrepreneur and TED speaker, and we will discuss today the real meaning of happiness. And if we take a moment and think about it, the concept of happiness is much more complex than we think. What is actually happiness? What does it take to be truly happy? And should we pursue happiness in the first place? In this episode, you can look forward to Mahmoud's inspiring story and in where we also share so many valuable aspects and insights into happiness. I really enjoyed this one. I hope you will do So thank you so much, uh, Mahmoud, for joining today's show of The Idea of Us. Like, I'm really, really honored to have you here. (laughs) I was excited when you said yes. So let me just uh, say, introduce you real quick. So you are born in Egypt. Uh, I read someone uh, somewhere, you are a human first. (laughs) <laughs> and you are a TED speaker and you have your own uh, social business, right? Is that correct? Yep, yes,
1: yep,
2: absolutely.
0: So thank you so much for being here today, and maybe you can uh, share a little bit about yourself.
2: yeah, I mean th- thank you for having me i'm I'm excited. I haven't been doing podcasts in a while, uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, yeah, a little bit about myself. Kind of you shared the Egypt part. I'm proud Egyptian. I, I kind of I guess focus on sharing that with people because initially in my life it was something when I came to the US that I wasn't very proud of and it was something that I got a lot of bullying and a lot of remarks about mm-hmm. that made me kind of want to disassociate with that side of my identity. And so proud Egyptian, proud Muslim. And yeah, I mean the last I guess uh fifteen years ish being in the US I've been, you know, lucky to to be here and lucky to have some amazing experiences from kind of like starting off really early on, being passionate about business, uh, selling middle school, selling candy in middle school to, you know, like doing different jobs initially just to start getting the ball rolling. Like when I was in, um, after middle school and I was in high school, I was a delivery boy, bus boy, dishwasher. And I I did all that stuff because I, I think I Wanted to make my own money. I mean, our financial situation as a family wasn't phenomenal, but my dad and mom always tried their best to deliver for us. And I think I always had that that hustle early on to want to do something meaningful and eventually kind of through college and post-college was lucky to get some experiences in technology through Google and Facebook and government and, and kind of really began to understand the power that business can be used to transform the world in a way where... We're working on things that are impactful and working on the hardest problems that are facing humanity, but we're trying to solve it in a, a scalable and sustainable way. And that's what I've become most passionate about, specifically now working in the mental health space, having founded Floramind, uh teaching youth mental health, and then in general being in the space and supporting a lot of different initiatives that tackle social issues.
0: Mm, I love it. I love the... Uh candy uh story i have a cousin who, who was selling pigeons when he was uh young and he's okay. an entrepreneur so, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, this. This really
0: it, it was uh but he did it back home in eritrea where i'm originally from so he's yeah so i get totally the spirit of entrepreneurship and and i love it and specifically social entrepreneurship i love so i'm very grateful for what you're doing uh, with flora mind mental health specifically in news, i think it's it's an important uh topic when i researched a little bit about flora, flora mind i saw that you were like trying to target also specifically people that are not represented there so i would have loved someone that looks like me or understands you know the uh, diverse backgrounds that we have so again thank you so um, i want to start our podcast today we will talk about the true meaning of happiness so i'm excited about this i want to start with you and i want to ask you what are three things that define you
2: that define me Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. So this question was interesting because being defined by things is for <laughs> me for generally an odd thing. And I, I, I tried to grapple with thinking about it. And I think one of the things that I have been working to be more, I guess, defined by is my connectedness to everything around me. Mm-hmm. And so I like I think the whole concept of me even saying I'm human first, like what is that idea about or going deeper and thinking about being a global citizen of earth. Like what, is, what does it mean to be a citizen of a country? What does it mean to be a human on earth? I think for me goes to thinking about how because of uh, over thousands of years, we have developed a lot of different ways and ideas to to divide each other, whether it's through tribalism mm-hmm. or race or uh, religion. And, and usually I think the intention for some of these, what was was never ill-intentioned. It was more to support and uh, and protect and thrive mm. the community. And, mm. and then I think we had more troubling ideas like race, which was specifically and intentionally kind of designed in a way to say these are the better people and these are the people that are not so mm. better. And then religion. And then you get into and then culture. And then different people have different ideas of those things. So. I try to remind people and remind myself that even though identity is so important and like mm-hmm. where I come from, that's important to me and my religion and how that impacts, of course, how I see life, at the end of the day, there there really is one race in the sense that we're all human beings. And remembering that is a way for us to reinforce humanity because then it becomes it becomes a lot easier to not be racist when you try to remember that we're pretty much the same. Like there's almost nothing. That is very distinctly different about us, right? That that we, in a way where if we're able to continue to remember that and remind ourselves that we might care a little bit more about how someone else is doing mm. and go beyond the surface level question to dig a little bit deeper and see how we can support them, right? That we can care about social issues that are outside of our bubble and and care about what's happening in my community at large, what's happening in the world and how can I support? And of course- Change always starts within. And I think the battle of our lives is the battle within. That That's constant, though. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to put everything on pause unless you absolutely feel the need to. You you can work on yourself while impacting the world. And I, uh, Anyway, so I think uh, the whole thinking for me around just being human and remembering the connectedness that I have around the world, I guess those two together. If I would say a third thing, I mean, I would probably say love. I think um, everything I try to do, I try to make sure that it's rooted in love. Mm. That it is done out of a place of intentionality done out of a place of goodwill and and genuine support. And I think also love goes beyond that. Love also, mm-hmm. we can talk about when we talk about love, we can talk about justice and equity mm-hmm. and fighting for for ourselves and for our people and people that we don't know. And I think so love is a very, it can become very broad, but I mm-hmm. think I try to just take that perspective of how do you make sure that you're constantly doing something from that perspective where it's as clear and clean as possible, um, that it doesn't impact, that it doesn't negatively impact yourself or others while you do that. And I think that influences kind of my day-to-day actions constantly.
0: I love that. And I specific like, I, I really love that. I think love is a universal thing and it's a great motivation in life. And I also love how you said, yes, we are humans first, but we can be humans first and diverse as well. Like th- th- Those are two concepts that doesn't fight with each other if we do it correctly you know mm-hmm. you can't be proud that you are from a specific specific region in this on this planet but on in the same time we can uh we can acknowledge that we all that there's just one race and mm-hmm. that we are, are connected in yeah. a way so and then i would like to know what are two moments in your life uh, that inspired you or motivated you we, we touched a little bit on that topic already but yeah
2: i draw inspiration from so many things like almost every single day of my life. And I've tried, to, I've tried to ground myself in trying to see and get inspired by so many things so that it's never, it's never like, oh, for this month, I'm inspired by something specific. But there are, I guess, moments that have been huge for inspiration. And I, I, one of those moments is when I was uh, younger and I went through a lot of different um, issues and, and challenges with being bullied. For my religion and and my ethnicity, there were people that stood up for me, and and one of them specifically, um, I remember when I was called a terrorist one time, and and one of the people that wasn't really my friend, I guess uh, they were more like a acquaintance, had stood up for me, and they went out of their way to say, hey, like like I know y'all are laughing about this, you know, you think it's funny and and whatnot, but I don't think I don't think it's that funny, and I think we should stop and. And and you know it was a back and forth, and I I wasn't saying much because I usually try to also laugh it off, and I didn't know any other way not to make the situation more awkward and serious. So mm-hmm. that person standing up for me, it, it was one of the I guess more vivid memories I have of feeling in a, in a moment where it was kind of a moment of struggle for me. It was also a moment of inspiration in the sense that I saw what it can look like when you have the courage to go out of your way to support someone in a time of need or in a time of oppression or however you want to put it. And I think that was one of the most beautiful things. And I've tried to constantly live up to that every day of my life. Whenever I see with my own eyes injustice or something happening that's just not right, you know, I, I try to step up and speak up or interfere. And you know, it's not always the safest option per se or the most comfortable option but nothing worthy in life is going to make us feel necessarily comfortable. Uh, And those are the moments where we grow the most and get things done. I guess that was one moment. Another moment I would say is, I mean, I'm in awe with some of the work that my friends do and the people that I look up to. For example, one of them being who I, I, I met, so his name is Kareem Abul Naga, And he, he has a company called Practice Makes Perfect. And he's been working on it for almost 10 years now. And, and I met Kareem a long, long time ago. I was trying to get, get into this college and into Cornell where he, where he had went. And he had helped me out. I never went to the school. But after that, he always supported me. And whenever I asked for something, he was just always there and did not make me feel guilty for asking. And I think we, I've had so many moments of inspiration. But early, early on, just him taking the time to respond uh, while he was so busy and, you know, had so many accolades and he was um, someone like I truly looked up to. So I didn't expect that response. But I think from that point onward, I've developed this like, you know, being able to ask for help is so important. And Often we feel like we, we feel like we might be a burden on other people. And maybe sometimes it's true, but most of the time, it's not most of the time, people love to help and people love to support. Mm-hmm. and They love to, they' left to be of service it's something that we it gives us energy, it gives us a meaning and purpose in life of mm-hmm. service of others and um yeah i think I think from there i've I've just constantly asked for more help, and I've told people like you know reach out are you are if you know you respect this person and you admire them or you love their work, you want to do something with them, you want to chat with them, just do it, mm-hmm. just reach out and overcome that feeling of being afraid, right most of it is fear of rejection or fear of whatever. Do things despite that. I mean, I was just watching this video of Will Smith. It's a hilarious video. Um, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 yeah. I love that. Like, you know, he, he's talking about fear and he's like, if, if you can't overcome fear, like do it scared. And he is so interactive and, and funny. And I totally agree with that. People think like, for example, the word fearless, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone is fearless. I think that's a, I think fear is probably more on a scale. And, and you almost never are at zero. I don't think that's literally possible, but I, I think it's more likely that people do things that are meaningful despite feeling fear, because those things are important to them. And that's what we need to do in situations like that. That's what I've learned over time. And it's a constant battle sometimes, and I still struggle with it. But I've gotten so much better from where I used to be, where it used to be, I'll never do this, to saying, okay, well, I have these feelings about it. Let me try to break down these emotions and and see what's true and what's not true. And then if some of it tends to be still true, I'll do it despite that because the outcome is better than, than, than what can possibly happen if I don't do it.
0: That's Yes, that is... I love that video. I saw it on Insta- on your Instagram, I believe from Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and fear is, it's such a crucial uh, factor because it cripples us on, on, on the one hand and asking for help. As you, as you said, for some people is, is maybe easier than others. But at the end, people like to help, you know, and we forget that people actually want to help. At least we should not make the decision for them. Right. Like we can ask and then see if someone says uh, yes or no. So I love that those are your those moments where uh, the ones that motivated you. And and another thing that I wanted to just quickly talk about is regarding fear as well is to be vulnerable, right? Like in your TED Talk, for instance. Like I was in tears. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say that was that was so emotional just to open up like this. And how was that for you? Like, will maybe you want to share a little bit how that? how that went uh, for you being on stage and sharing something so, so emotional, but, you know, touching so many people at the same time, you know?
2: Mm. Yeah, actually, I had not talked about that process publicly yet. I think it was one of the, one of the hardest things that I had ever done is the process of going through my childhood and life experience and having to think on it on such a deep level, Mm -hmm. by to understand how I worked through things and what really happened and some things that, I didn't have good memory of and some things that were hard to bring up as conversations because I had to have conversations with my family I had to have conversations with my mother to be able to understand from her and remember and and just see what, what really you know were things the way I saw them was mm-hmm. there another side to the story that I needed to know and and it was a, it was a difficult conversation because I mean those things were never easy but mm-hmm. you know be, because of and and this goes just to talk this is a good continuation of what we were just talking about with fear or intense emotion and doing things despite that, which is that doing that talk, um, the process of doing it was extremely difficult. And having mm-hmm. to feel and revisit so much of what for me was you know, traumatic or just extremely hard to remember and go through, the outcome for me was a lot more important than me mm-hmm. having to go through that hardship of doing that because I knew if I was able to put a talk together that was genuine and authentic to my story and really uh, was able to be vulnerable, like you said, then it would impact people a lot more than me trying to take an easier route of, you know, being high level and, and just being um, general and, and, and not sharing deep stories. And I think, I think that's what – I've gotten so many messages for that talk, and I still do, like, almost on a weekly basis. get, like, a few messages <laughs> from people. And I think those messages like of people sharing similar stories of sharing how it really resonated with them, how it made them cry and it made them emotional and made them think about their own childhood and how it gave them great advice and all the stuff that I hear. And it just uh, always reminds me and makes me feel makes me feel so grateful that I had that opportunity. And it also makes me feel grateful to have been through those experiences, to be able to share how I got through it. And the opportunity to help other people get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's. It was a it was a hard process, but extremely fulfilling.
0: Thank you so much. Will. I'm really grateful for that because it, a it inspired me to do my own. I did a small thing on toxic positivity as well wow. after I heard uh, your um, saw your TED talk and um and it also like like also the question arose in inside of myself like what does like I am un- okay. I understand now little like. I research a little bit toxic positivity. I understand what is maybe not serving us or serving me. But on the other hand, what does that mean? What serves me? Like what makes me truly happy? And that's a topic that we want to talk uh, about today. And that's why I would like to ask you, like, how would you you define happiness? (laughs) And uh, do you think it is? Is it important?
2: Well, happiness is absolutely important. Happiness, so this is a very complex topic, so we'll try to break <laughs> it down step by step. Ha- well, happiness, when you take away all the definitions that society and people try to add on to it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: being happy is an emotion. Um, yes. So the feeling of of being happy and being, what you know, whether that's like, oh, like you saw something beautiful and you're like, whoa, like, uh, you know, I feel happy that I'm, I'm I'm looking at the beach or I feel happy that, I am drinking a cup of coffee, though some, I think most of the time we do misclassify emotions. And Dr. Susan David talks about this quite a lot, that we might say we're feeling, for example, happy about something or angry about something, when really there's a better emotion to describe it, like feeling grateful. Or if you're feeling angry, maybe you're feeling regret. And that it is so important to classify emotions, because when you classify them the right way, then you're really able to get to the root of them and break mm-hmm. them down, and then figure out how to deal with them. So, anyway, going back to happiness, I look at it as uh, the emotion. I think people trying to chase an emotion and and feel one emotion constantly all the time
1: mm-hmm. is
2: uh, ridiculous and and not sustainable and not realistic. I understand why people want to chase happiness because you know feeling happy feels good. You want it, you just when, whenever you think of feeling good, you think of happiness. We've grown up our entire lives, you know, thinking of and being told, you know, happiness, happiness, happiness. And for some people, it's been more like, oh, money is going to get you happiness. There's been so many definitions of what's going to get you to happiness. And so people say, you going to get a good career, get a good, you know, family, blah, 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 that's going to make you happy. And then so people get confused there because then they're on a pursuit of not being happy unless they achieve That oh get get education and then you'll be happy. So that's a very that that is very confusing and leaves people feeling awful because there is always a deficit in their lives. They're never content, never feeling happy until they achieve a goal. And so with with the with the milestone thing and saying I won't be happy until X happens. That's that is the most obvious negative approach I think to trying to address quote-unquote happiness. Of course, the other way that people talk about is happiness as a goal of life. And um, and people say it the other way, which is um, saying, okay, well, you know, forget about money, forget about everything. You know what? Nothing is important but happiness. The only goal in life is for you to be happy and you need to figure out how to be happy all the time. And And even if they don't say all the time, I take it up to an extreme sometimes. I do hear people that say that. They just say the goal of life is to be happiness. And that's odd because because why? Like why why do you want to feel an emotion all the time? That is just weird. And I think I think people that constantly try to chase that end up doing things that backfire on them and actually probably become more unhappy in the process trying to be happy because there's constantly an expectation trying to chase happiness all the time. Usually what happens is we set expectations that okay well, how am I going to achieve happiness? Okay, I'm going to do things that make me happy. And then you ask yourself the question, well, what makes me happy? And so you have to sit down and reflect. And usually you will never, some things that you won't find on the list. And I'll, I would ask you actually, what are some things, if, if you sit down and you say, I want to, what are the things that make me happy? What are some things for you that make you happy? What do you think about?
0: For me, what makes me happy? Definitely, I mean, family, good friends, good people around me, good moments like it's the moments that we experience with someone that actually makes me happy. Mm. But (laughs) I never, never really thought about that question. I mean, I do, we do always think about it somehow, but it can be every anything, you know, it can be, um, it's mostly for me around people, but Mm. it can be goals that I achieved, you know, that I set for myself. It It could be, um, something, uh, as I said, um, spending quality time with someone, yeah. you- seeing something that I haven't seen, traveling, right. so many things actually. No, no, okay.
2: yeah, absolutely, right? And so there's so many things that can give you that emotion of feeling, whether it's happiness, maybe it's pride, maybe it's mm-hmm. a feeling of like, confidence and you're more confidence in yourself. And they, they all, you can feel multiple things at the same time. Most of the time when people answer that question, they'll never mention, for example, work. I'm not happy when I'm working because it's work. When work is like, work takes up like all of our time. I mean, we wake up and literally we're in the, pers- we just go wake up work. Well, if you're in school, you wake up and go to school and people are usually not happy being in school because school has work. And, and so for eight hours of your day, every day of your life, you're not happy. And that, that, is, that is something to question. And that's um, and so, so anyway, being chasing that emotion, I think is troubling because you're going to be constantly in a loop of expectations of wanting to be happy and then not meeting those expectations is going to make you unhappy. Cool. So here's the third part, which is that some people have tried to solve for happiness. And one mentor of mine and someone I really look up to has wrote this book called Solve for Happy. Right. Mm -hmm. So they say, okay, cool. Well, what is one way that I can actually be more happy? Because maybe I'm stressed a lot and I feel like I'm constantly like dealing with expectations, like what I talked about, right? So people want to be happy, but they don't know how mm-hmm. to be happy. And so mm-hmm. this is a really interesting solution to that, which he wrote this book, Solve for Happy. And he talks about there's an equation for happiness. And basically that equation that he talks about is has to do with our expectations and the events that happen in our lives and how we deal with that, how we deal with those events.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
2: our expectations, right? So here's an example. An event happens in your life, um, so say you're walking, say you're, he gives an example of riding the train and you're expecting to get there on time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Then what happens when the train is delayed? Okay, well, now you're stressed and you're, and that can potentially ruin your whole day because you will start thinking about it, overthinking and feeling like, like, hey, I missed this, blah, blah, blah. And, and you start feeling bad, feeling guilty. Okay, cool. Um, so that's not a good way to live life because those small things, you don't want them to impact your day so bad. And so Mm -hmm. we suggest that if an event happens, if we can manage the expectation, so lower the expectation that we may or may not get there on time. And then Mm -hmm. right after something bad happens, we try, uh, you can't prevent yourself from feeling like negative emotions because they can just rise, but you can work on getting out of it as soon as Mm -hmm. possible. So right after that happened, you can say, okay, well, I feel like crap, but Let me think about this for a second. And, oh, interesting. Everyone else on the train is going late to work. And, oh, let me think about this. Work doesn't even really matter that much towards, like, me being upset the whole day about something so small is going to make me unproductive at work and it's going to make me generally unhappy the rest of the day. So maybe I should just let it go. Yes. You will be, and then kind of you'll feel happiness or you'll feel contentment. You will feel okay, right? Mm -hmm. This is a really good um, solution, for you if you're trying to figure out how to deal with troubling emotions. But here's the problem with that, which uh, um, I think if you're constantly trying to solve and try, try, if you're constantly trying to figure out ways to maximize happiness, which is constantly trying to work through every situation in your life to make sure that you're happy, to make sure that you feel that emotion, then I think that's problematic because there are certain things that you have to remember that there are certain things out of your control. And so you can always control what you can control, which is, of course, your mind and your thoughts. Mm -hmm. But I just don't think that that's the best way to maximize and live life. And so here's my thoughts, which is it's more of a combined approach and it draws from a lot of different perspectives. I don't think we should chase happiness. I do agree that we need to work on managing stress and we need to work on our thoughts and our process We also do need to work on generally having a positive mindset of the world, but not overwhelming ourselves by saying, I want to be positive all the time, and then using that language to harm other people by invalidating their experiences and not giving them space to talk. I think it's a combination of, A, having um, purpose in your life. Mm
1: -hmm. I think it's
2: really important, and Viktor Frankl talks about this in his book, A Man's Search for Meaning, and he talks about how having meaning in your life Having something that drives you every day is such a core component of you living a life that, and I don't want to use the word happy, I I want to say content or meaningful. Meaning for me is more important than happiness. So if I would prioritize it, I would say feeling a deep sense of meaning and understanding your existence in the world will get you better results than chasing the emotion of happiness. Because if you're grounded in purpose and you're grounded in understanding, why, do I, why am I even here? Why am I on earth? Like really the question that almost we try to avoid so much, but I do know that generally there are people who are religious and people who do, you know, uh, people who care about, but, well, it's not just religion that gets you to think about that question. It could be spiritual, it could be philosophy on life, Asking that question, a lot of people do avoid it, though. Um, just trying to understand and carrying that forward every day. So, like, I'm religious and I believe in God, and, I, and that's such an important aspect of every area of my life, and it helps me move forward with purpose, knowing that, oh, okay, well, I know that God has a purpose for me, and I know there's different things that arise in my life and different ways that I analyze situations that I feel like are God sent to me. And, um, and, and then get, going deeper and feeling like, for example, for me, that meaning for me has become, of course, serving God, but also knowing that feeling like God has sent me here to support the mental health of the world, of my community, of spreading that word and and getting people to understand and feel better and try to deal with the tribulations of life. And so meaning is one, and I think it's very important. If you're constantly trying to chase that emotion of happiness, but you don't have a, a foundation that grounds you when, when things go bad, you you're going to be in trouble because mm. most of life most of life we are suffering in the sense that there's constant challenges in our life that are going to come despite us not wanting them to come
0: yes right? that's that's how it is right that's how that's how it's life right. is yeah
2: yeah and as we get older things tend to get worse in the sense that more bad stuff happens. It right? <laughs> you know, you get, gets worse. Well, your health does deteriorate, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that your mentality doesn't have to get worse, right? Your, yes. your purpose, if it's defined well, and you have, you have uh, a good thinking process, a good way to deal with tragedy by remembering how to deal with it, whether it's from an emotions and thought perspective, but also a meaning perspective, that's really important. So that's one, meaning. Um, two, I think... Uh, you have to have really strong self-care. Like that is so important. And I think it is so crazy when people talk about happiness. They almost—it's very rare. They—they—they they, they usually talk about career. Like we talked about, like, oh, am I am I doing something that makes me happy in my job? Which is generally important. But you tend to think you—you'll find that having a meaningful job is more important than having a job that makes you happy, because. If you're deep and grounded in doing something that's important in the world, that will give you feelings of happiness, but it'll also give you feelings of contentment and and motivation and inspiration. So Mm -hmm. a lot more than happiness if you're grounded in meaning. So uh, what is it? Self-care. So self-care, so important because I think a lot of people that struggle with mental health challenges and I don't know the number yet. I have to do more research on this, actually struggle because they don't have a strong self-care routine. And so whether it's that they were not taught growing up or something tragic happened in their life that completely took, pushed them off, or um, they just don't know, having that routine is just so important. Like, for example, the, the smallest things impact your mental health, and they impact your body and how you feel every day. But what time you go to sleep and wake up consistently every day. If it's not consistent literally like you will feel like crap. and
0: It's not even that difficult. Like, uh, like a sleep schedule is some even would probably not even interpret it. Like even think about it, that it's a part of self care, but like just the way you're saying it, it's because
2: people think think self care is like, I'm going to take a bath for myself or I'm going to take, or or when people say this, I get the intention is cool. And we do maybe having a one day in a week. People say self care Sunday, for example, I'm like, okay. I like it. I like that more people are adopting this concept of having a day of the week to take care of yourself and your money and your mind, your mind and your body and disconnect. That's wonderful.
1: Yeah,
2: but we need self care every day. We mm-hmm. need consistent self care routines, mm-hmm. and I think it's wonderful to have a day where you're completely like off the grid. If if you can do that, it's amazing. We need every day to have good sleep. We need to have we need to exercise. Like if we're not exercising and moving our body, we're gonna feel like crap. And that can look like anything to you, right? I know exercise is a little bit um, overwhelming to people to hear to have to like go in a routine, especially if you didn't grow up doing sports and all this stuff. Going for a walk is exercise. Just walk. Yeah. Take yourself yeah. on a walk once a day, thirty mm-hmm. minutes, ten minutes. Start small. And go right. So walking, eating, like eating good foods for your body. If you're not eating it, you're gonna feel like crap. And 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 if you do these things, if you do the bad things consistently, you will feel like. I I'm depressed. Or I have mm-hmm. constant X, Y, and Z. And I'm not a clinician, but I know a lot of these things that if they're not done, they just impact your mood so much. And so I think a lot of people tend to struggle with basic routines than they do mm-hmm. of say traumatic experiences in their life and how they impact them day to day. But there there definitely probably is a connection between them happening and people getting out of routine. But I'm gonna I'm very curious to know. If some people they just grew up their lives without routine and so they just feel like they're constantly in a bad mood all the time.
0: And it's you know, it's like so from what I'm hearing it's, it's it's super interesting because you're right, like happiness is such a complex it's such a complex ex uh aspect. We cannot like say, okay, this if you do this, if you do A, then B is gonna be you're gonna be happy, right? And then so it is on on the one hand it is like managing your expectations, obviously, but it's already also acknowledging your emotions, right? But on the other hand, as you just mentioned, it's also implementing healthy routines. Like, are we eating good? You know, are we working out? Are we sleeping right? And those are like basic things that not everyone is taught. Like w- some people are taught those uh, those routines at, at the early age. Sure. Some people need to learn it once they they grow up or change their environment. But we all, we all know like how much it impacts you if you don't sleep right. You know, like your whole day is through the window basically if you do it constantly then it can affect your health as well right is it, it is uh it has so many layers but what would you say are misconceptions about happiness is it would you focus it on expectations is that for you like the biggest misconception
2: well expectations are definitely huge i, I mean expect what what mo gaudet which i didn't say his name earlier who wrote for happy talks about with expectations and a lot of the uh, this is also, um, of course, not just Mo, there's a lot of Buddhists around this and a lot of a lot of thinking around the world about this. I mean, even Islamic teachings talk about mm. expectations and what we really should be focused on in life. I mean, expectations impact our day so, so much because we have expectations all the time. Like we mm. had an expectation of like coming on and like how hoping that X, Y, and Z is going to happen and that you're going to show up and the mic is going to work and this is going to work. And so thing and And a lot of these expectations, I think, are subconscious, like we don't think them out loud and say, "Oh, I expect x, y, and z, but it's more like you just you're just thinking of these things thousands of times throughout the day, and so if you're not managing your expectations right or recovering from an expectation you had and it wasn't met, um it will impact you one hundred percent and so it, it is a great tool to have in your toolbox, so I think that's that's one thing and i mean the the other big misconception about happiness. Is, is what we talked about earlier, is that it can be achieved through milestones about other things. Mm. And I guess people just think like, I don't think happiness is achievable per se. Like it's not something that, it's just like self-care. Like it's not like one day you just like say, oh, that's it. I f-, or lo- maybe uh, even more specific self-love because self-love is closer to the idea of happiness in the sense that it's abstract and people want to love themselves, and they think, "Well, self-love is like one day I'm just gonna love myself." <laughs> it doesn't really work like that. I, I think it's a lot more. I think it's a lot more consistent. It's a lot more like, "What do you do every day to show that?"
1: Mm. And
2: if you're not consistently doing that, and I think some of it is accepting certain things about yourself, and you can have a breakthrough about those things, but it's more of a consistent day-to-day routine of figuring out ways to love yourself, figuring out ways to, to take care of yourself, figuring out ways to deal with expectations and, and just being and and real and also just questioning, like you have to question these things, you have to question whether happiness is something that you really want to chase, and question everything I said, question if it's about meaning question, if it's about you know god or if it's about whatever it is and i think that's that's really important
0: and i love that it's it's basically your your own process and journey so i want to discuss um two statements one is happiness is a choice and we are responsible for our Mm -hmm. own happiness and the second uh, statement i would like to discuss with you is uh, money makes one happier
2: Mm. (laughs) well the first one (laughs) yeah this is a very controversial quote it does resonate with most people because of what we just talked about in the sense that when people have tried to say happiness is a choice they 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 try to go about it to there's not much explanation for these things but you need to dig deeper so people usually the people that disagree with it usually take it i think for uh the surface level meaning and say oh and especially because people and i don't i don't know how it's intended but so happiness is a choice is used in a lot of different scenarios. In some scenarios it works, some scenarios it doesn't. And this is true for most things in life, is that not everything is going to work for you. What works for other people will not work for you, and what works for you might not work for other people. So, mm-hmm. for example, one of the debates is that um, someone says, I'm, I'm, I think I have depression, or I feel like I'm depressed, or I feel anxious, or I'm just in such a bad mood. And people will say, well, you should be happy. Just choose to be happy.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: a little frustrating to hear that in a moment where you haven't, like, ha- have been feeling this mood for mm-hmm. three weeks and, or a month or six months and you haven't been able to do anything and you've been having thoughts of, uh, you know, killing yourself and a, a lot of overwhelming emotion that someone's like, happiness is a choice. It's like, mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> I never, I never thought of being happy, and it's uh, what a great suggestion. And so, there's uh, some cases like that where it's just not, it's not really helpful. And if you really wanted to help someone, first of all, you're not really a mental health professional, so it's hard to help people on this stuff. But I do believe that we can support each other in a lot of different ways. You're more likely to be of better support to them if you listen to them and try to help them work through what what they're going through and asking them and being consistently there for them in their lives and checking in on them then giving them um, these platitudes, these general statements that usually don't help.
1: I agree. In
2: the sense that you you tell someone happiness is a choice, it doesn't really resonate. For some people, it does. So for some people, the idea of happiness being a choice, it does work for them really well. And so when when you dig a little bit deeper into that, what that can look like is what we just talked about with expectations. And so... If you're able to work through your expectations and you're able to break down what you're feeling and what you're going through in those experiences, you have a choice. And, and we have free will and we have a choice to shift our perspective on the world. And when something happens, you can literally convince yourself of one way or another. When something horrible happens in your life, yes, you should feel the emotions. Yes, you should acknowledge what's happening. But at some point, you have a decision to make on... Uh, replaying that loop of suffering or sadness or tragic event, or being able to choose to interpret it in a different way, whether it's like God's purpose, God did this to my life to improve me, or this is, you know, death. So it's not, for example, it's death. It's like, oh, everybody dies. And I know my limited yeah. on earth. And I'm so grateful for the moments I had with this person. And you really try to work on that. So, and grief is very complex. So I don't mean to oversimplify it, but yeah. We do generally have a choice, uh, and people have to remember we have a choice because sometimes the feelings of overwhelm, especially in COVID, we sometimes feel so overwhelmed and so uh, anxious about the future because of a few things, one of them being that we, we're trying to control things we can't. Like, mm, yes. There's some things we can control, like wearing a mask and staying home, but we can't control the crazy outbreak that's happening and the shutdowns that are happening. Though, if everyone does the right thing together, and this is a really hard topic and it's complex, so uh, I don't want to oversimplify that.
0: <laughs> yes, um, I
2: understand. We can just control, okay, well, I'm home right now. How can I make the best of this? And yeah. what am I going to be able to do? And and for some people, that's an extremely tragic environment to live in. And it's, it sucks to be home. And, and it, makes, it has so, mon- so much impact on our mental health. Mm-hmm. But we just try to remember that, hey, there are some things that we can control. We can try to control our mood. We can meditate. We can pray. We can work out. We can do X, Y, and Z to try to help ourselves feel better. This is important. So uh, that's what I would hope, that a lot of these things are, are not either like good or bad. It's more like it works for some people. It works for others. Take it how you take it.
0: Yes. 100% 100% agree. There's a lot of gray in between. It, it, it has a lot of uh, facets. So, for instance, so I like that. So we're not, I would say, we're not responsible, but we carry some responsibility as well. Would you? Agree for to, our happiness. Yeah, for happiness. Would you agree to that? Or would yeah. you say you're 100%? We have,
2: we have yes. I think you yeah. put it well. We have. We are responsible for working on our happiness and dealing with yeah. health challenges. But a, we don't have to do it alone. B, yes. we have to acknowledge that a lot of the time there is external things that happen that make it extremely yeah. difficult to work on yeah. it. Yeah, those just a and b. I think we need to. It's, it's we need to remember that, um, and we're not alone. So,
0: how does money play a role? You think if we were rich, like endlessly rich today, uh, we would be happy? Like, do you think that is a key ingredient for happiness?
2: Well. <laughs> It depends. Um, this is another thing that's like it works for some people, it doesn't work for others. A lot mm-hmm. of people need money. Mm-hmm. Uh, majority of people in the world, if you give them money, it will make their life easier. Yes. And so this goes along with what I was saying. I don't think we should be striving for happiness per se, but if you give people money, for example, and not just and I know even giving people money is a whole controversial topic but
1: it is <laughs>
2: people had money for basic needs which should not be a controversial we need, we should be able to figure out how to do it mm-hmm. no one should be going to bed hungry no one should be going to sleep on the street nobody should be having to live in a war torn country no one should have to experience domestic sexual abuse or violence a lot of these things if if you're able to give or bad health care, bad education. Nobody, shooting is hard, but I, I think yeah. we could live in a world because of how much advancements we have now. It sucks that people get to experience that. So money can help solve a lot of those issues. Yes. Money can help solve safe housing. Money can help solve uh, food insecurity. Money can help solve uh, people getting away from, uh, from, from people who are harming them. And mm-hmm. so absolutely, money is very important for you to live a life that's easier than the hard life that a lot of people live. And so Mm -hmm. you can't discount that. And people tend to discount that. And they tend to say money doesn't equal happiness. And it's just such a, it's another one of those platitudes. That's like, okay, you want a cookie now for saying that? Because it's so complex. You can't, it doesn't. So anyway, so that's one is that money is essential because without it, I mean, people die. People are literally dying because they're hungry and it's just so sad and it's messed up. Mm-hmm. Second part of it, of course, is that money doesn't solve all of our problems,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? But it solves our money problems. So, uh, yes, like even if you, even if I gave you $200,000 a year or a million dollars, it'll solve a lot of your money problems. But if you're not still, if you don't still have a strong meaning in your life, if you don't mm-hmm. have good relationships with people in your life, if you don't do self care routines and things that take care of your health, it's not going to solve those problems. Those are problems that need different solutions and you can't just solve them with money. You can pay a personal trainer to come train you, but yeah. you still got to do the work. Yes. You, can pay, you can pay someone to be, to, to, to be your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, sleep with you. People do that stuff, but that won't fill the deep desire for human connection. And it won't fill the deep need that we feel to feel loved and feel appreciated and the same with family. You can try to buy your family and give them money and support them. But if it's not genuine and the heart is not there and the relationship is not where it should be, money is not going to solve that problem. Yeah. And so, of course, those are things that money can't solve. And there's a, there's a great video I saw a few days ago that was also saying, like, money can buy you healthcare also, but it can't give you good health, right? Yeah, can buy you something like a clock, but it can't give you time. You have to acknowledge that. There is stuff that will be extremely helpful with money and there is stuff that can't be solved with money. And we need to take a different approach to problem solving whenever we look at these different problems and how we want to go about them.
0: Yes, I love that. And uh, that because often, um, we think that money solves everything, right? And it does in a way it solves. If we talk about basic needs, then obviously it solves a lot, right? But if we surpass the basic needs that we have, then it gets a little bit more uh, detailed, right? It's not, it's not going to help you because you're still going to feel th- those voids if you don't have them generally in your life. That's why I love, uh, you know, that it's all about, um, you know, uh, true happiness and true community and true relationships at the end of the day, but not um, neglecting the fact that money is important. <laughs> so um, I want to go a little bit into the part where we're going to talk about happiness and the relationship of uh, doing good. So there's, I found two definition of happiness. I want to discuss them mm-hmm. quick with you. One is um, hedon- hedonic happiness, which is happiness uh, that we derive through things that happen to us. And a Dominic happiness, sorry, I'm butchering those two words, which is happiness, happiness derived through something that we do for someone else. Like, what would you say is the right balance of those two concepts uh, to live a truly happy life?
2: Mm. Balance. I mean, uh, what you just said, is like, we need to balance those two. I I think balance is like, when you take everything away from like, what we talked about, life is like a constant, like I was saying earlier, life is a constant battle within. What does that mean? If you dig a little bit deeper, it's a constant battle to fight for balance in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's a battle, of course, um, to also fight your desires in this life. And desires, usually I mean like gratification of things that are short-term or things that don't serve you, that are unhealthy. You have to be able to balance what you do for yourself, for yourself mm-hmm. and self-love and all the stuff we talked about, and what you do for others. and Those two, they are connected in the sense that they can both support you. But also, if you do too much of one and you, Mm -hmm. for example, you disconnect from everything and you just try to focus on yourself and you say, you know, forget all the relationships in my life. I don't care. I don't care about anyone. It's going to impact you, right? We're we're social creatures. We need conversation. We need to feel connected and we need to feel supported. Um, Mm -hmm. And then if you go out of your way to be of service to everyone you meet, and you're constantly trying to help everyone out and you're constantly um, trying to figure out how to prioritize other people and, and support them on their journeys and their needs. What are you doing for yourself? You're, yeah. The only thing that leads to is more resentment and pain in your life because you you end up neglecting yourself and your well-being. And so you need to find what does it look like. And it's going to take a lot of experimentation. You're going to mess up a lot. Even when you think you got it right, at some point you're probably going to mess up. But Again, like it's not about the failure. It's not about the feeling of uh, fear from messing up. It's about, hey, I messed up. Let me see what I can learn from this. Let me try to apply it. Try my best. I'm probably Mm going to mess up again, but that's okay. I'm going to forgive myself quick because um, it's not that big of a deal, and I'm just going to move on with my life.
0: (laughs) yes i love that so um so you are you're uh dedicating your time we talked about work and like we don't talk a lot about work when we talk about happiness but we it's, it's such an important part so we kind of should as well so um for me uh i would like i would be interested you i see you as a social entrepreneur for sure um, yeah right so uh, i would uh, like to know Do you think um social entrepreneurs are happier or how is doing good aligned with happiness basically
2: I don't know if any entrepreneur is happier than the average
1: person.
2: (laughs) Being an entrepreneur is extremely difficult, and it's a case-by-case basis. I know in general there's been studies that have come out that say entrepreneurs in general suffer from more mental Mm -hmm. health challenges than the general population. Uh, Of course, entrepreneurs have very unique challenges and sometimes uh, a lot more increased stress because Mm -hmm. of the lack of stability. Um, lack of uh, resources, especially if you're a founder of color, you have very unique challenges there with mm-hmm. uh, feeling like um, there's strong, not just feeling like there definitely is strong inequities in the system, how money is raised, how customers are acquired, etc. So I think my friends who are social entrepreneurs and for myself um, mm-hmm. a deep meaning in the work that we do and Despite it being stressful and challenging uh, it 's worth doing and uh, I think that derives us and gives us that sense of i 'm doing something that I feel like is deeply needed in the world and even though this is really hard i 'm going to figure out how to how to how to do it and how to get it done and it 's not to say that every social entrepreneur of course is also successful we 've all yes. had failures; people have given up and not just given up, but also have run out of resources. And Mm -hmm. we've had plenty of challenges with Flora and trying to figure out what the future looks like. And so you do things despite them being challenging. And that's what a lot of my friends who are social entrepreneurs and the people that I look up to do. And so um, in general, though, I know that doing something meaningful with your life Mm -hmm. in terms of work, having meaningful work, does impact your well-being. And I think people in general who are you find people who hate their jobs they hate the nine to five every single day and the people who actually enjoy what they do in the sense that they have a deep meaning in it and along with that they have so- strong self-care routines because you can you can have deep meaning but if you're not taking care of yourself you're going to be burnt out and you're going to be as stressed as the person that hates their job and is doing their nine-to-five and so you, mm-hmm. you gotta find that balance okay i
0: love it so it's a holistic approach basically 100
2: percent that's <laughs> Everything I'm trying to go back to and what I've learned throughout my journey is that you, as much as we want to disconnect things and break them down and and talk about them in silos, everything is connected. And really a lot of the way to, to go about living life in general has to be mindful and, and being holistic and, and being inclusive of every area in your life and how you can constantly improve and grow in it.
0: I love it. So thank you so much. Let's go. We're, we're at the end of our show now. So I usually ask some questions. I'm going to just share them with you real quick. What would you say is the kindest thing that someone has ever done for you? What do you want to be remembered for? And if you could change one thing on this planet, what would it be and why?
2: Ooh, what do I want to be remembered for? I think um, love. I, I I think, yeah, just love people seeing me as an example of loving myself and or being on the journey of loving myself, of spreading love to other people and encouraging them to love themselves more, mm-hmm. loving God, loving this planet, loving other human beings and and having that hope and optimism to continue moving forward despite despite challenges. Um, so mm-hmm. that's what I, I guess I hope to be remembered for. And, and that also applies through anything and any project that I'm going to continue to work on. Improving and I think what I what what that also looks like is improve, helping people improve their well being and their happiness and, and their meaning in their life and, and increasing that love internally and externally. Yeah, that's what I would hope there. What was the last question you said?
0: <laughs> I asked, um, what is the kindest thing someone ever has ever done for you? Kindest? Kindest, yes.
2: Wow, that's a hard one. I'm not sure about this one. I'll go with my, I I think my mother deserves a lot of credit Mm. for so much of what she's done in my life. My mother and my father, I mean, they, you just think about the amount of sacrifices they've made to make sure that I'm, you know, that I'm, I'm, I have a, I have a roof under my head. I have food, I have support financially and emotionally. And that's something I'm just eternally grateful. And I think, yeah, it's not something specific, but it's something I currently feel, and I'm just so appreciative. I think I think we need to appreciate our parents more. I think we don't give them enough credit, and people always kind of criticize their parents or see what they're doing wrong or what they're not doing. When I think, I think most parents are trying their best, there are some parents that don't and are not, and and give up and walk away from people's lives for a hundred thousand reasons. And of course, it's very complex. I I think most parents try their best and we need to be forgiving and loving towards them.
0: There couldn't be a better ending, Mahmoud. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time. And I love that we're ending on gratitude and on the importance of our parents. Thank you. So, so grateful for this opportunity to talk to Mahmoud about the real meaning of happiness. Mahmoud shared so much information on this show. We touched on concepts like fear, human connection, humanity, self care, and the importance of meaning and purpose when it comes to true happiness. I definitely am someone that pursues happiness and I learned to reflect on that critically. I love, love, love being happy and joyful, but as Mahmoud said, who does not like to be happy? And that is a powerful point we all do, but sometimes focusing only on the pursuit of happiness can be the cause of us not being happy. And life also is not always happy. There are challenges we have to face and things we have to do despite how we feel about it. So here I loved Mahmoud's input about focusing on meaning and purpose. For me personally, that means to know my why and keep that in mind in good and challenging times. So the bigger question is still, should we pursue happiness in the first place? And is and this question is one that each of us has to answer individually. I want to end the show with my favorite quote of today, where Mahmoud says, everything he does is deeply rooted in love a world where we all do things that are deeply rooted in love and where love is the motivation that is the one that i want to live in i'm grateful for you listening in today and you can find more information about mahmoud on his instagram at mahmoudkidir nyc and i put and about this podcast at the idea of Pot. i hope you enjoyed it and it brought you as much joy as it brought me and i wish you as always much love and light